Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. Recently, I've been reading through the wisdom books in the Bible, and I'm currently in the book of Job. And if you've never read the book of Job before, it's basically the story of a man who loses everything his property, his wealth, his children, crops, everything like that. It's absolutely gone. And throughout the story, he's tempted by his friends and his wife to just give up on God and turn away from him completely. But surprisingly, He stays true and decides that he's going to trust God no matter what. And I've been loving this area so much that I wanted to do an episode on this area and on this topic because it's just so easy to trust God when life is going well and everything is perfect. But when everything hits the fan and starts to go terribly, terribly wrong, it can sometimes feel like God has abandoned us when that isn't the case at all. So in today's episode, that's what we're going to be focusing on. We're going to look at how can we trust in God and his wisdom. So number one, don't depend on you. In today's society, we tend to only trust ourselves or those who have earned our trust. Just trust in general just seems to be in a very short supply these days. One of the many great characteristics of Job was that he trusted God completely, no matter what. When Job was told that he had lost everything, including his children, he didn't get angry when he heard the news. In chapter 1, verse 20, it says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. Think about that one more time. Job fell down and worshipped God when he heard terrible, terrible news. Now, this may be weird, but it's actually a really great display of faith and trust in God. Later in chapter 28, verse 28, he also says, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. When most of us face life's disappointment, we try to gain control and to only just depend on ourselves because it feels like everyone and everything around us just lets us down and the only people we can depend on is us. But when we decide to become Christians, it means that we're trusting on God as our Lord and Savior and it means that we need to unlearn this lesson of just depending on ourselves. And instead, we're meant to rest in God's higher understanding and his higher wisdom. After all, if we are Christians, we truly believe that God is sovereign overall, meaning that he sits on the throne of heaven and the angels do his will and they report to him and he's just in charge of it all. He knows everything and is in control of everything. And this is exactly what Job recognized in chapter 1, verse 21. Job says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I shall have nothing when I die. The Lord gave me everything, and they were his to take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything Job owned was given to him by God, and that same God who gave it had the right to take it all away. And Job acknowledged that he was just a steward. And that remains true for us as well. We were born into this world with nothing. We weren't born with a house. We weren't born with a car. We weren't born with all this money in the bank, but we were born with nothing and we will die with nothing. We can't take any of it with us to heaven. They aren't eternal things. They are material things. And this is something that we all need to acknowledge as well, that we're just stewards of it, meaning that we're taking care of it while we're alive, but we won't be able to bring any of it into heaven. So we don't need to focus all of our time and attention and passion into material things that can easily fade away here on earth. Now, I'm not saying that this is something so easy to do that you can just decide, okay, I'm just going to depend on God and it's done and it's just set for the rest of your life. Some people can do that, but for the rest of us, I think I can say on behalf of the rest of us that it's very difficult and it's it's going to take time. And in order to get this accomplished, 
we're going to have to commit to waking up every single day and before your feet hit the ground, we have to say to ourselves that today I'm going to lay aside my own plans and my own expectations and I'm just going to surrender to God's great plan and his will of what he wants me to do. And if you feel like that's just too hard, like surrendering and leaning upon, you know, a God that you can't even see. I know that's very difficult for some people. So if that's too hard for you and you don't feel like you can trust God like that, then perhaps you can try number two, which is cry out to God. So surrendering to God starts with what we say and what we think. When something happens and you don't understand or it just hurts, we tend to say things that we don't really mean. Job's suffering was so great that he forgot the wonderful great things that had happened in the past. He wished that he was never born. And if he was never born, then he would have never become the greatest man in the East. In chapter 3, verses 1 to 26, he asks God four why questions that nobody but God could answer. There's nothing wrong with asking God why, as long as we understand that God doesn't actually owe us an answer. Even Jesus asked why when he was on the cross in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. As Christians, we live on promises, not explanations, so we shouldn't spend too much time asking God why. He is able to lead us and guide us when we pray and we talk to Him. He definitely hears us. So don't be afraid to get emotional with God because He's a great God. He can take it. So just remember that His ways are higher than our ways. Number three, flee from evil. There are many things that can block our relationship with God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, they're described as the craze for sex, the ambition to buy everything that appeals to you, and the pride that comes from wealth and importance. Now, I read that in, a, in the contemporary English version, but if you read back in the New International Version, it's also described as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, which is a little bit easier to remember, but I wanted to fully explain what that means. So these things, they might seem really good initially and they can make us feel good, but they can eventually turn into stumbling blocks when they start fueling our ego and we become very prideful as we begin to think that, oh, well, we deserve this or I need it to be happy and content. Instead, we should remember that the true real source of our blessings is from God and we should focus on the things that make him happy because if God isn't in the middle of it, then he's not going to bless it and he's not going to make sure that it flourishes. And if we want to be happy, we want to make sure that the things that make us happy are flourishing and in order for it to flourish, it needs to be blessed by God. So I hope that makes sense. And this was definitely a characteristic of Job. As said in Job chapter 1 verse 8, which says, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth. He's a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Or when he corrected his wife in Job chapter 2 verses 9 to 10, which says, His wife said to him, Are you trying to be so godly when God has done all of this to you? Curse him and die. But he replied, You talk like some heathen woman. What? Shall we receive only pleasant things from the hand of God and never anything unpleasant? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. God has called us to live an amazing life, and some of us haven't discovered that yet. But sometimes in order to reach that kind of life that he has in store for us, we have to distance ourselves or even completely separate ourselves from bad influences that keep dragging us down and start pursuing other things. In the Bible, it says to pursue goodness, faith, love, and peace. It isn't always easy, and sometimes when we distance ourselves from things or people, we start noticing that perhaps we might lose those friends, or we might become bored and fall into the same crowds and the same habits again just because it feels easier and safer to live that way. When we chase after God, 
we find that it's an amazing full life that we're having. Running away from evil and chasing after God and his goodness doesn't come natural to most of us. It definitely doesn't come natural to me. And it's going to take some sacrifice, but it's totally worth it. And in the long run, you're just going to feel so much more joyful. Number four, put God first. Now, a lot of people will put, you know, God first in their Instagram bio, but they don't really live that way. They put themselves first instead. When we get complimented or do something good, we're very quick to pat ourselves on the back and we think that we deserve a reward. And then when something bad happens, we either blame others or throw a pity party. (laughs) In other words, we just walk around and are always saying or thinking, okay, well, what about me? Me this, me that, me, 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 me. And just like in that verse that I said before between Job and his wife, Job had his priorities straight. He put God first. He didn't side with his wife because she was in outright sin and in blasphemy in her remarks towards God. So in order to practically put God first, however, here are two things that you can do. Number one, evaluate yourself according to God's word. Now, some people don't like doing this and some people just try to ignore it or excuse their behavior or actions, even when they know what the Bible says. They're just the kind of people who just pick verses out of context and apply it to their lives. If we're ever going to really trust in God, lean on him and run away from evil, we need to decide where we're going to place our trust upon. It has to be something objective that won't change just because society changes. Society changes all the time. We can't place our trust in society. It has to be objective. It has to be something that stands the test of time. And I think if you look deep enough, you'll find that that is exactly God. That's God and his word. And we won't always like it or understand it or even see it clearly, but we need to humble ourselves sometimes and know when something needs to change in our lives. In Job's case, it was very different. He hadn't sinned and he knew he didn't sin because he knew God and he knew his word thoroughly and it was firmly in his heart. Yet his friends were being harsh with him and saying that perhaps he did sin and that he needs to repent. We're not all like Job, but when we also have God's word firmly planted in our hearts, God will often use that to deal with us, but in a loving way, like a father does with his child, not in a mean or critical way. God loves us and cares about us, even when bad things happen. He uses these things to shape us, and when we understand that, our whole perspective on pain just shifts. We start seeing pain like a test. God is working in us when these things happen, and that's why we can trust in him with all of our hearts. Which leads to my second sub-point. Number two, listen to the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left and he went back to heaven after he was crucified, he promised to send the Holy Spirit to the church body, the Christians. In John chapter 14, verse 26, he said to the disciples, When the Father sends the Comforter instead of me, and by the Comforter I mean the Holy Spirit, he will teach you much, as well as remind you of everything I myself have told you. As we go throughout our day, the Holy Spirit guides you. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm referring to that voice or that prompting inside you that helps you make decisions. Some people call this intuition, but you'll find that the Holy Spirit will guide you in ways that line up with what God's Word says. If you're interested, I would definitely recommend that you learn more about the Holy Spirit and exactly what is his function and what does he do exactly. And you can learn these things from the Holy Spirit by Billy Graham or in the same title, the Holy Spirit, semicolon, an introduction by John Brevere. It's, which is basically like a whole course on learning about the Holy Spirit. All of these steps, they all come together full circle. Having a relationship with God is a two-way relationship, just like it is with our friends, with our loved ones, or our family. It's a two-way street. When bad things happen, it is very ignorant of us to put all the blame on God and say, why did God do this? It is his fault. He did this to me. 
why would God let this happen to me? It's very ignorant of us to say that. We need to acknowledge that to some degree, we have we also have responsibility. When we when we depend on God, and if we can't depend on God wholeheartedly, when we cry out to him and we say, God, help me, help me to surrender to you, help me to trust in you, he can start working in our hearts. He can start working to soften the hard places that we refuse to let him in. And we can practically do these things by fleeing from evil. Now, how do we know what's evil? We know what's evil by reading his word, knowing what he is for and what he's against and cling to what he is for. And then by clinging to what he is for, we are putting him first. And that's exactly the whole circle that I'm trying to paint right here. We evaluate ourselves according to his word. And then we listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and they tell us which direction to go in. So if you feel like you need to do bad things, like getting mad at someone, hitting someone, gossiping, fueling the fire by exaggerating, things like that, if we feel like that's what we want to do, then we know for certain by reading God's word that that is not the Holy Spirit, that is the flesh, that is the world, that is bad influences telling us that we should do that because it's going to make us feel better, but it's not going to make us feel better, it's just going to make it worse. So when we listen to the Holy Spirit, whether that's the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? You don't need to say anything right now. You don't need to make a snarky remark at that person. Just let it go. Just talk to me about it and I will I will encourage you on what to do next. I will help you. I will give you comfort. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit is called in that verse that I said earlier in John 14:26. He is the comforter. So let him comfort you. Trust in him and all of these things come in a full circle. Now I'm saying these things aren't going to be easy. Trust me, they're not going to be easy at all. And that's why Jesus said to deny ourselves and to follow him. Trusting in him takes a wholehearted commitment that lasts all day. Don't think about it in the terms of my whole life because you'll be overwhelmed and you'll think I can't do this on my own, but you're not alone. This isn't a burden. God is always with us and he's always willing to help us. And I honestly hope and I pray that you start to see it the way that I'm trying to paint it for you. And I pray that you walk it out today. So I really hope that this episode encourages you and gives you a new perspective on how to trust in God and his wisdom and how to lean upon him and how to practically put these things into place. And if it did help you in any way, I would really love to know about it. You can either message me on Instagram at fearless.proverbs or on Tumblr at fearlessproverbs.tumblr.com forward slash ask. I really love receiving those messages. It really fuels my motivation to keep going with the podcast and the blog. Anyway, I just really hope that you have a great week and that you feel super encouraged wherever you are. And I'll see you next week for the next episode. Bye.